It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Ears up podcast, we are back. We're back, baby. We're here on the internet, we're live on the internet. We're going to talk to you about a bunch of cool stuff, actually. We have two, not one, but two history shows, Taryn. What do you think of that? Wow. No, no. Incredible. Who would ever thought? This is our new, it's our new shtick. Well, we are historians. It's true. It's absolutely very true. Oh, wait, no, we're not. Well, crap. No. Well, we're somewhere in between. We're somewhere, yeah. Yeah. We would, uh, I think, you know, we're we're the kind of historian, um, like that weird Greek guy from the History Channel who talks about ancient aliens. That's the kind of historian we are. Yeah. We're like, we're a historian, but it just means, and it's like, not, it's like of, of meaningless nonsense and fantasy. True, except that we actually do like real research. So we do know some stuff. We just don't right. know it like offhand. Right. I can't pull it out of my back pocket. No, that's absolutely correct. Um, I also love ancient aliens. <laughs> You know, I'm, I was listening to some podcasts and they were basically like the History Channel sort of primed the pump for all these sort of like boomer 40 through 60 year olds to get into conspiracy theories like QAnon and stuff like that. Because all you have to do is be like, this could have happened. I don't know. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> and then, you know, through, like through the 90s, you're watching so much History Channel. You're like, yeah, maybe maybe the pyramids were built by aliens because we don't have any proof that they weren't. And then now suddenly it's like, there's a basement in a pizza place in DC that is like <laughs> draining children of hormones and like feeding it to the top echelon. Of, you know, it's, I don't know. It's a small joke. The history channel really went off track. You know, they had, they had a good thing going. They were doing this show called modern marvels. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that. I it was like modern that. marvels, the Eiffel tower. They even did one called modern marvels, Walt Disney world. Oh, Oh, nice. And then they were running out of topics, and a friend of mine pointed out to me, they're like, did you see the latest Modern Marvels? It's Modern Marvels Dirt. (laughs) (laughs) And it was an actual episode about dirt. And I, and I thought, this is, they've run the course with modern marvels, I think. (laughs) See, to be honest, that's definitely peaked. That's like where we're going to end up. It's going to be like, Walt's left... Pinky finger on the on the partner <laughs> statue. Next up yeah. on ears the up. His, the <laughs> history of grass. Trees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'll be the history of our third show. Yeah. <laughs> Just repeat after that. This is how I was to plan this show. It was hard. Yeah. yeah. We'll finally hit our fifteen minute show mark at that point. It's like there yes. you go. Well, I don't know what to say, guys. Five minutes of intro and then uh well. <laughs> Gotta go. Yeah, the toilet paper that they use is not that great. I got scratchy on my bum. <laughs> well, we're done. <laughs> That's it. And we do have a good show for you. We have Miss Beverly, who's going to go through the history of Turtle Talk with Crush. Wow. Which is sort of where we are. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I also just want to preface that yeah. I, I am very hesitant to call that a history show because there's really not a lot of history it's 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 a thing it is what it is man yeah we're just going to talk about it and and that you know some things you can't just have a history of if they're not really changing and haven't been around for you know decades or or whatever it's been around for almost 20 years oh wow Wow. hasn't changed see there you go came out in 2005 wow jeez i know that doesn't feel like 20 years ago no, I know. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't like 10. associating 2005 with 20 years <laughs> yeah. ago. Like, yeah, I, I apologize. I apologize. Yeah. That was really rude. Yeah, it's only three years away. 
Um, and then uh, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, and it's going to be the history of the Polynesian Village Resort music. Right, Jer? The That's Spectre right. Time segment. Correct. Get your Seggy nice. on. Normally, Spectre Time, while. I think we'd go first, but, uh, you know, I wanted, to, I wanted to tease Jer out a little bit. Well, you know, you mix it up. Keep it, keep it changing. It keeps it interesting for the listener. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I am excited about this. You did write and say that you may or may not have teared up writing this segment. You put it yeah, in the Discord. Don't, and I don't know if you were drinking or not. Don't, I was just going to say, don't have three dirty martinis before you write a Spectro Time segment. <laughs> oh, or do. Because yeah. then I got so moved by this story. And then I was like, I was looking back at my write-up tonight, and I'm like, why was I crying over <laughs> <laughs> You guys... They import. They they brought grass from Hawaii to make the grass skirts, and I just I think it's beautiful. I think it's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. <laughs> it's gonna be a good time. Uh, but before we get to all that, you can find us on social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Uh, maybe feedback. Taryn at earsuppipeandpodcast.com. Look, if you have feedback on the show, whatever it is, if you want to talk and say hi and whatever. Taryn, earsuppipeandpodcast.com, or we have a little form on our website. You can uh, you can do that, too. Any show suggestions? Uh, I, yeah, Terrence, I guess, at earsuppipeandpodcast.com. I don't know. You can send those to me, too. Honestly, you can kind of just do anything to anybody. If you if you forget <laughs> someone's email, just send anything to any of us. But, you know, then I don't have anything to say in the beginning of the show. So uh, you can say hi. Hi. To Bev. And anything Weird. else comes to so me. terrible. Hi. I'm your new babysitter. <laughs> Hi. I'm sorry, Hi. but I'm also God. not sorry. We're going to read Reader's Digest all day <laughs> and eat wow. hard candy. It is interesting, know. though. You, you've been able to keep that word different and interesting for, what, 200 shows? Pretty <laughs> <laughs> long time. You still surprise us with a new I, high. Honestly, I surprised myself that last time. That was, uh, <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> it was good. Anything uh, else comes to me, Jason, ears up, hyphen, podcast.com. Look, if you guys are trying to go to the parks right now, uh, concierge.com is really the only way. I know that Disney have, have a, a, a podcast about how to do it on your own, but number one, you don't want to listen to it. Number two, <laughs> you don't want to do it all on your own. Trust me. Why would you? you, you yeah, exactly. You wouldn't want to at all. Uh, so go to concierge.com, buy your tickets to concierge. There's no markup. You're paying the same exact price as every other schlub going on the Disneyland or Disney World websites, but you get the added benefit of having the team at concierge help you plan your vacay, help you get reservations. You got to get those resis. You know, you don't want to, you, you don't want to wake up at three in the morning to get a resi. Make uh, Jimmy over there, a concierge or any of the other concierge people that they got going on, make them wake up and do it. That's what they, that's what they're there for. You get some rest. You're going to need it. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So check that out. Oh, we also have discord is still up and running. We're still doing that. I think it's caught on. I think people are, are enjoying themselves. It's I like the disky. I've been not active. I kind of feel bad because yeah. I, I get the notifications and I see everybody's talking and I'm like, oh, I should jump in. But then I downloaded TikTok, so I do that instead. Oh, yeah. That's not good. We're not on TikTok. No, it's, it's a horrible You got to support your your, your community. And TikTok is a terrible place. Like it's you, terrible. Yeah, it's, it's, it will burn your brain. It really does. It's the yeah. biggest time suck. I don't go to Reddit anymore, which was like the smarter place to go. Like, <laughs> sure, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you can, if you can, if you can hook up your own router from Best Buy at, at your house, 
then yes, you were on Reddit. But if you couldn't do that, then yeah. No. Leave me alone. I'm over here on Reddit. Yeah, I felt, I felt better about saying like, oh, yeah, you know, I read Reddit before bed. Now I look at TikTok before bed. Yeah, well, and, I like, mean, my brain dies the, every night. The people who think you're smarter for being on Reddit are the same people who don't know that there's like literally subreddits about eating boogers. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just <laughs> there's anything going on over there. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. Um, oh, I'm, I'm there's sure a lot there of is. depravity going on on Reddit. But if there's a sub, if there's not a subreddit about eating boogers, there should be. Honestly, I mean, <laughs> at this point, that's the only the last bastion of content that we have. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Never mind. No, go ahead. Oh, I no. just want to know what the difference was between Reddit and Quora. Quora. Quora is like where you just ask random questions and then random people. I thought that's what Reddit was. It sort of is, but Reddit's just more like a community. It's more like a forum, I guess. But instead of like forum sections on a forum, it's just a page and you can kind of scroll through and stuff like that. It's like, um, it's more communal. There's there like, like I follow like a baking Reddit subreddit. So like I see other people's baking and their recipes and things like that. And then there's, um, my favorite one is is very popular. It's um, "Am I the a hole?" And it's these people write in stories, and then their last question is, "Was I the a hole in this situation that they described?" Those are my favorite because it's basically "Dear Amy," but they're asking the world. And when they actually are the a hole, oh, it's just so good to read all the comments. <laughs> okay. Well, yep, that's Taryn over there learning, <laughs> <laughs> learning on Reddit. But yeah, anyway, concierge, <laughs> go go check them out. Uh, you can support the show. If you guys want, you go to Etsy.com slash shop slash Coveyers. Grab a couple of our uh, brand new tie-dye t-shirts. Those are uh, yep. doing pretty well. I, I enjoy those. I enjoy seeing those fly off the shelves. We have all sorts of other shirts you can check out, too. I guess I got to uh, look and see because Etsy will sometimes just like pull stuff down because you only put stuff up for like three months or whatever the default is so i gotta make sure and they don't tell you that hey this is coming off now so i gotta go and make sure you know all our stuff's back up so yeah i don't know man uh anyway but the best way to support the show is patreon.com slash ears up you can sign up for as little as two dollars a month if you want to and uh that just lets you you know help support the show uh the shows i mean because we also you know off of this pipeline we have uh supreme resort and bantha milk and scraping the vault so and then you know obviously the secret show um so you know that helps everything keep going there but if you want to go at the five dollar level up you get a whole bunch of other stuff like secret show access and uh, walkabout access which we are going to be doing a walkabout tomorrow night maddie is going to join us she's out there in tiktok land speaking of tiktoks collecting disney themed tiktoks Oh, boy. Just about, you know, the weird stuff that people like to post on TikTok about Disneyland, Disney World, and wherever. Yeah, so we're going to sit and, uh, you know, either find out some cool trends, because Maddie is the trendy. She's on trend. She's like, what kind of stuff do you want? I'm like, first of all, I don't know. (laughs) I leave it up to you, because TikTok is weird. Yeah, but I'm like, I want, like, fun stuff, but also stuff we can talk about. Like, it's not just, here was my trip. No, that's boring. But like, here are these cool new, you know, Crocs, or I threw my Croc at Gaston, or something like that. That's yeah. what I want to see. <laughs> Not that I'm advocating throwing Crocs at Bast at Baston at Baston. <laughs> Nobody hits like Baston. I don't know. I know that's not his name, guys. The 21st Amendment Brewery's latest beer release, Tropical Brew Free or Die IPA, puts an island vacation in their whimsically designed cans. That's right, cans. 
This refreshing year-round release tropical IPA is brewed with pale and Munich malts, brimming with Azaka, Citra Cryo, and Mosaic hops, and topped with a splash of pineapple flavor. The result is a clean, refreshing beer featuring a mix of sweet malt, balanced bitterness, fruit-forward hops, and a nice tropical vacation at the finish. Tropical Brew for Your Die IPA is available at your local good beer shop, neighborhood taproom, and anywhere else people come together to find great craft beer. Punch it! All right. <laughs> it's going to get old one day, but uh, God, I hope not. That day is not soon. <laughs> that day is definitely not soon, man. That day is definitely not soon. All right, Beverly, Miss Beverly. Okay. Let's get on with some history of turtle talk with Crush. Let's crush it. Okay, let's crush it. Never say that again. (laughs) Unless you're talking about sudsy bevies. I don't want to hear crushing it. Well, today we're going to chat a little bit about turtle talk with Crush. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I sort of hesitate to call this segment a history segment, quote unquote, because there's actually very little information available about the history and development of this attraction. But there's plenty of information about the attraction itself, so we'll start there. Turtle Talk with Crush opened originally in Walt Disney World on November 16th, 2004, and then was duplicated at Disneyland in July of 2005. Now, some of you may disagree with me, but in my opinion, Turtle Talk with Crush is an attraction geared towards what I like to refer to as the Disney Junior demographic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let me be clear by saying that I'm not saying the attraction isn't cool. I'm simply stating that I am not the main demographic it's geared to. True. Totally true. Total Talk with Crush is located in Hollywoodland inside the Animation Academy, which is right across the street from Award Wieners. <laughs> Classic. Yes, <it> is. <laughs> Classic oh, stuff. Oh, I know. Yeah. Once you enter the Animation Academy, you go to the right where you'll find the waiting queue for the attraction. But... I'm pretty sure you can actually just wander around the Animation Academy and they just announce when the next showing is. Because I think it runs like every 15 or every 20 minutes or so. That makes sense. Um, The room the attraction is housed in is very similar to a small theater. There are bench seats in the back for the adults and a sloped floor in the front for the kids. PSA. If you're an adult, don't sit on the floor in front of a small child. (laughs) I like turtle talk. I'm going to sit right here, bro. (laughs) In that scenario, you are the (laughs) a-hole. Check. Yeah, that Um, rule actually extends beyond Turtle Talk with Crush, as it turns out. Honestly, it really really does. (laughs) At the front of the room, there is a large screen that gives the illusion of looking into the ocean or a giant aquarium. This is called the Window to the Pacific. Oh, I don't know. I don't know why I just said it like that. (laughs) But the Window to the Pacific. Uh, once seated, guests are given a brief introduction to the show by a cast member, and then they are greeted by Crush. Um, and sometimes during this portion, you'll get to see some other familiar characters from the Finding Nemo franchise. After some initial chit-chat and silly jokes about living in the ocean, the real magical part of the show begins. This is the question and answer portion. This is where Crush will answer pretty much any questions presented to him by the crowd. Sometimes they're about things related to the ocean. Sometimes you get a three-year-old asking about planets. You never know. (laughs) You never know what crush is going to be asked. But he pretty much always has an answer for you. 
and I'd like to play my audio clip right here. I bet you would. Don't mind. What are all your kids' names? <laughs> all 65. <laughs> Well, check it out. There's Squirty. is totally my youngest. Then we've got Sheldon, Shelby, Trisha, Lisha, Michelle, his shell, her shell, our shell, one shell, two shell, red shell, a blue shell, a shell of a ding dong. Then we've got the twins, Bill and Ted, Wayne and Garth, Cheech and Chong, uh, the triplets, Mary, Kate, and Ashley, uh, the teenagers, Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael, uh, John, Paul, George, and Rago. Um, yeah, John's going through a weird phase right now. He thinks he's a walrus. And then we totally got Michael, Janet, Jermaine, Tito, Latoya, and Randy, Ross, Rachel, Phoebe, Monica, Joey, and Shannon. Yeah, they're like really good friends, bro. That's funny. Yeah. It's pretty he funny. legit answered the question. So, obviously, that audio clip was pulled from YouTube, and if you've never uh, had the chance to sit in Turtle Tuck with, with Crush, I... Thank you. Like, take the opportunity and watch one of the YouTube videos because it's actually really entertaining. And it's also really fascinating because as he's saying all of those names, all of his mannerisms and the way his mouth is moving is in real time. So it seems as though he's really speaking to you. Well, he is. Most of the show. What do you mean? Well, it seems yes. like it. He is. You know real. what I mean? He's real. I mean, like, it's it's not like overdubbed. Like, his mouth isn't like, wah, 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 wah. It's right. like, it's speaking. Right. Um. Now... Most of the show is improvised with Crush answering questions on the fly. However, like we heard in the previous clip, there are some canned answers. For example, the kids' names. Also, sometimes Crush will ask the crowd what their favorite food is, and often someone will be cheeky and respond with turtle soup. Oh, rude. (laughs) Well, to which Crush immediately will respond by calling security. <laughs> Which is actually the only appropriate response. That's, right. That's yeah. funny. I mean, I feel like, I wonder in the writer's room, if there's a writer's room for it, but there has to be like, here are the appropriate answers to the questions that are either asked a lot over time, sort of develop. That's got to be the, I mean, what are you going to say? How are you going to say that? Of course. You can't yeah, be I, I, I would say person. it's like 90% improvised and maybe 10% scripted, if you yeah. will. So when you see... The image of Crush floating around in the the window to the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's actually something called a computer graphic avatar that's being controlled by a puppet. And the puppet's okay. being operated by a puppeteer whose performance is then digitized in real time. Yeah, all right. So Jeez. Crush's movements and voice activated lip sync are rendered on the spot and are projected at sixty frames per second. And this is how his mouth moves in synchronization synchronization with the actor's words. Wow. Right. Okay, so this is going to sound dumb, but I have to share. <laughs> okay. So when I read that uh, he's being that crush is being controlled by a puppeteer, my brain immediately just imagines this guy in a back room, like holding a puppet, like a turtle puppet, in his arms and doing all the movements in front of a bunch of cameras. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like the puppet's wearing a green screen outfit so that they can project it. Oh my god! It's it's a whole my. It was a weird thing. Your brain's a mess. <laughs> it was, but 
it turns out, yeah, um, I'm not entirely wrong. Okay. Wow. No, what I was able to find is that something called digital puppetry techniques are what allow the puppeteer's movements to control the body motions. So okay. basically, hold on. This is a quote from a digital puppetry blog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I love digital it. Digital puppetry blog. I love that. This is why the internet sort of kind of rules. <laughs> There's a digital puppetry blog. Yeah. And I bet they have a subreddit. Uh, <laughs> Well, it, it it basically also says almost exactly the same thing on Wikipedia. So I kind of had like, I kind of looked at a couple different places to make sure I wasn't spreading falsities. Sure. But the exact definition of what is and is not digital puppetry is subject to debate among puppeteers as well as computer graphic designers. But generally, it's agreed that digital puppetry differs from conventional computer anima- animation in that it involves performing characters in real time rather than animating them frame by frame. Sure. After I read that a couple times, okay, like, because it took a couple times. Yeah. After I read that, I Google image searched digital puppetry. And I'm actually, like I said, I'm actually not that far off. From what it looks like to me, the puppeteer has his hands in this apparatus type thing. Mm -hmm. And based upon his wrist movements, that determines how the puppet moves. So he's not actually holding a puppet, but he is making the puppetry moves. Now, uh, Jason actually helped me with this, but we tried really hard to find a Turtle Talk with Crush behind the scenes video. Yeah. But of the six links that I found, all of them had been removed for copyright infringements. So for now, we just have to use our imaginations. Unless somebody in the chat knows, if you know how this works, feel free to share because we don't. (laughs) Now, throughout the show, the puppeteer is not able to see the audience through the screen. Like, I always thought it sort of, the screen sort of acted as a two-way mirror, mm-hmm. but that's not the case. It's mm. like a giant TV. Uh, okay. There are instead several hidden cameras throughout the theater that allow the puppeteer to see the guests and call on them during the question and answer time. Um, and this is always fun because obviously the puppeteer doesn't know the names of the children and adults in the theater. So he'll usually call them out by something they're wearing. Uh, like, for example, something like, hey, little dudette in the bodacious pink sweatshirt or something like that. You know, this and this also lets the cast member who's working in the theater know who he needs to give the microphone to. Regarding Crush's voice, I actually found some conflicting information. Mm-hmm. Some articles I read said that the puppeteers are actually hired based on their ability to mimic Crush's voice. <laughs> nice. <Okay. laughs> and other sources just said that voice synthesizers are used. I could sound determine like either way. I don't think that you can. I mean, I don't think voice synthesizer technology is th- there. Yeah, you. So you get, think it is actually just? I think it's someone doing the mimic. voice. Yeah, I mean, this is a voice it's like actor, the California skater or not uh, surfer voice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's the yeah the Spicoli. It's not super the, hard. The I mean, Bill I'm not Ted. gonna do it, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, like bro. not for nothing. That's how you all sound to me. <laughs> so you could, anyone could, anyone could do it. I swear. Awesome, I love that. I love mean, that it, for is, us. <laughs> it is a pretty stereotypical thing, and you know, any half-ass voice actor could can do that. So I, I mean, voice synthesizer. I don't, I don't think you can get the right inflection. You can you can get the right tone. I mean, there's like voice equipment to like compress and and. Uh, you know, expand and, and sort of like pitch shift, but you still need the intonation. And I, I think you could tell, I think it's a voice actor because looking through some of the clips on YouTube, the the voices are, are different. They are a bit different. So if, if you were going to be, and even the delivery, like when Crush is going through all the 65 kids, 
sometimes they're different. They're pauses. So they're like live. I mean, they're scripted answers, obviously, because the, the, the answers were the same, but the delivery was different. And even the, the tone and how the person uh, intonates things. Some of the inflections. It's different. Yeah, right. So I think it's just a voice actor, you know, either uh, either a puppeteer trained to do that voice or vice versa. The chat is disagreeing with you. Of course they are. Uh, fire them all. They, uh, they are <laughs> Start saying... Start booting them out. One who uh, knows some crushes says that they are oh. synthesized. No. And Mr. P says, think think deep fake but audio. So it's a, they're, they're saying it's <laughs> The a buzzer thing. says no. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my laundry's done. Yeah, cool. There's going to be folding laundry here during the spectro type segment. Um, so Aaron in the chat okay. says it's a mix of both technologies. Ah, uh, okay. Well, First one, of all, one's not a technology. One's just a voice. Just a skill, and then a they skill. use yeah. their skill over the... Well, and Aaron would the... know. And Mr. P, I think, is, you know, full of it. But Aaron, Aaron <laughs> I trust. So Aaron would definitely uh, know for sure. Um, but I just, I, I, I have a hard time believing it. So I'm still not going to believe it, even though Aaron's telling me. It does. It, it's hard to believe because the last, really the last version of Disney voice synthesizing that we've heard is the Main Street Electrical Parade's intro. <laughs> so I haven't heard them advance it beyond that without, with any proof. So, True. yeah. Hmm. I mean. Because it would also, I mean, it, this is a real time thing. So it has to be like the mic or like audio is synthesized in real time there's it's not mm-hmm. editing later it's no the, right. com- the computer and the processor the, uh, the that does this has to be very very fast could you imagine if like that went down in the middle of it and then like the like crush <laughs> just starts talking like his normal voice it's actually just a british <laughs> man yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> crush crush junior crush crush junior <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh man well i don't know now sarah's telling me i should go to the press room no i'm not gonna do it because I want Aaron. Aaron, you need to give me uh, photos. Proof. Give me proof. Photos of the synthesizer. Yeah. <laughs> give us photos of that audio now. Yeah. Just the oh, waveform. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Go ahead, Beth. It's okay. Uh, Turtle Talk with Crush has remained large. I'm sorry. Turtle Talk with Crush remained lar- largely unchanged <laughs> for more than 16 years. Can you believe? I, we already talked about this, but can you? believe that finding nemo has been out for almost 20 years that mm-hmm. the movie was released no. in 2003 first of all uh no i dislike you right now and yeah. i don't I'm like sorry. it I dislike it's you, accurate but... um that's wild <laughs> it's unfortunate like <laughs> where did the time go <laughs> yeah Ugh. in 2016 it was given a slight update but only to add the characters from finding dory oh good that's like the only update that I was able to find. It's just pretty much been the static. I mean, I'm sure they've done like maintenance on it, but that's pretty much just the only change that's happened in the last almost 20 years. A version of turtle, the Turtle Talk with Crush unit was donated to the new CHOC Bill Holmes Hospital by Walt Disney Imagineering in 2013 to entertain the child patients and their siblings. This was the first attraction created by Imagineering to be placed in a non-Disney environment. Oh, that's nice. That is nice. That made me happy. And that was actually how I wanted to end it, because that is the quote-unquote history of Finding Nemo. No. Turtle Talk with Crush. 
Whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> Whatever this dumb show was. You know, and I do second it. Like, if you've never, if you've skipped it because you're, you're like, too cool like me or too adult, uh, like Taryn, to go. Like, we yeah, forced ourselves to go one time. And it is no, a really cool with, it's show. It's because Abby was with us. We were with Abby. That's oh, really? We That's we right. That's right. Oh. You guys did. Right. Oh, whatever. <laughs> when she was real little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Attach yourself to a small child and go yeah. into the show. It's a, it is a cool show. And I remember, like, wow, I'm just, like, sort of haven't really been blown away by a Disney attraction like that in a long time. I mean, maybe like uh, the Millennium Falcon and Smuggler's Run or something like that. Mm. But like, you know, everything else you've sort of seen or you've seen um, a, a tiny bit of it in other rides or you're like, okay, I know how this works or, you know, whatever. Um, but it's sort of, it, it. nothing has really blown me away like like that. I remember it was a very impactful moment. It was like, wow, this is incredibly cool. It feels like real magic. Yeah, it does. Because even as an adult, you're like, but wait, how? Yeah. How is how is an animated character (laughs) talking to me? Well, we still don't know. Apparently, jury's out. And actually, you know what? The the other thing that's kind of similar to that is the the cars in Cars Land. How they like can talk when when they drive down the road, but then they can actually talk to you and say something personal to Mm -hmm. to people. I find that really weird too. (laughs) <laughs> I was thinking more yeah. of the um, the Monsters Inc. ride at the end. Moz? Oh yeah, yeah. She's just obsessed she loves with Jason, Jason doesn't yeah. she? Obsessed. Yeah, she does. You know, it's all right. <laughs> We're pushing weight. It's okay. It's all right, everybody. But yeah, even like that to me, like that sort of technology is like wow, that's still really fun to see in a ride where it's mm-hmm. like oh, there's like actual interaction with the guests. But this is done on a whole other level. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mr. P said he's going to synthesize my voice by feeding podcast episodes to uh, machine learning software and make me tell myself I'm wrong. <laughs> and I would love to see it, to be honest Mr. With P you. does not have that capability. He might. I don't know. I don't know what he does. <laughs> I think he programs like satellites or space shuttles or something or both. I don't really know. Anyway, good job, Bev. Thanks. I mean, it's a tough one because yeah. there's not a whole lot going on, but it's still very fun. And, uh, you know, and I wish there was like more information out there. Cause like you said, I yeah. helped you try to like figure this out. I, I have no idea. No idea. I wish there was more information on the back end. Uh, right. Not so, not so much behind the scenes, but like the development of the attraction. And there was nothing. Yeah. Like, I don't know who came up with this idea. I don't know why they came <laughs> up with this idea. I don't, you know, it was, and it wasn't, for lack of trying. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, Aaron, well, you've changed my mind on it because I've always bristled at the idea of Turtle Talk with Crush. I don't like that it's in my wonderful Living Seas Pavilion at Epcot, which is one of my favorites, but you have made me want to go in and try it. I you've never run done past it. it oh, you've never. There. Oh, Jer, you got to no, go. You'll love- oh, my gosh. I, I was actually, I had convinced myself when I was planning this. I was like, oh, well, at least everybody's been on the ride, like, or on the, attra- been to the attraction. Like, Jeremy 100% has gone to this because this is so something you would enjoy. Well, yeah. There you go. So, Jeremy, when next time you go back to Disney Springs, whenever you go to Planet Hollywood to find the Titanic door that's in Planet yeah. Hollywood. What? Yeah, the door from the movie Titanic is on display at the Planet Hollywood in Disney Springs. What door? What? The door that Rose boots Jack off of. Whoa. What yeah. is that? The door that they both could have fit on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always thought that was a headboard. <laughs> well, maybe it is. I don't know. 
Wow, uh, who knows? But how did you find that out? Is that new that it's there? Has it been there all along? I don't know. There was an article about it uh, because someone did a TikTok video of it, and it sort of started going viral as these things do because people are like, "Wow, I knew that Jack could have fit on there." Or some people go like, "Yeah, actually, now that you look at it, it is pretty small." I sort of I apologize for like twenty years of hating on Rose. <laughs> There's no way two people could have fit on there. And then sort of it was like cracked, if I remember correctly. It's kind of like at an angle, so like I I think. Yeah, because she's like half in the water. Well, no, I don't. I didn't mean that. I meant like the top is like cut, like cracked at an angle. I thought. Oh yeah, I don't know, but you know these Disney news blog sites. All they do is they just mine TikTok and Reddit for (laughs) for posts, and they go here we go. Someone dropped a drink in Disneyland, and no one gave them a fresh one. That's a four paragraph article. (laughs) Uh, All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back. We're going to listen to Jeremy explain uh, the history of the music of the Polynesian Village Resort. He's going to whisk us away to palm trees and uh, and music. I don't know, something like that. Spectro time. Hang on, everybody. Uh, Ears up. We'll be right back. And now, back to the show that ignites your dream wish of imaginations and magical color wonderment of forever. Ears up. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Sorry about that break, but, you know, you got to take a break every now and then. You know what I'm trying to say? During the break we were listening to, um, If You Want My Body from Submarine and Axe Murderer, because it's just very good. And I'm not going to do the accent, even though I really want to. <laughs> Save it for the secret show. Yeah, do it then. <laughs> Actually, you know, you're talking about we're talking about uh, Turtle Talk with Crush and Crush's big thing in, in movies, Cha, Cha, bruh. And I'll say that on the secret show because we have a buddy who um, who grew up in in L.A. when that word was sort of like coming around, and he's like, "This is this is how that word came up. This is what that word means." Um, and I think it's funny that's in a Disney movie. <laughs> uh, all right, Jeremy. Join us as we unravel the magic behind some of Disney's most beloved pieces of music. It's Spectro Time! This magic night, a million stars will play beside us, cast a spell of light, glimmering, shimmering, carouseling Welcome back, sir. It's been a hot minute. It's nice to hear that intro again. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, when was the what was the last one? Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I don't know. I actually don't know. Who knows? I could look it up in my archives. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll save that for another time. The history of Spectro Time segments. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is basically just Jeremy going, wait, when was that? <laughs> and then just typing. <laughs> oh, okay. It was this date. The end. Right. <laughs> well, for this Spectro Time segment, I'm going to take you on a tour of the music of Disney's Polynesian Village Hotel. Which have you ever have you ever stayed there? <sighs> Never stayed no. there, but desperately no. want to because yeah. it's like um, olive green and dark brown wood, and I just it's it's my it's my dream. Come we true. should have it's beautiful. We yeah. really should have thinking about that, but no, Taryn wanted to stay in the Grand Floridian. I did. Whatever, and so we did it. But we should have stayed at the Poly. I know. <laughs> I think everyone's like, can we just move rooms? Can we just move our resis over, please? Well, those are both very lovely experiences, I assume. I haven't stayed at either of those hotels, so you're one up on me. 
but Hell the nice yeah. thing about the Disney hotels in Florida and the ones around the Magic Kingdom is they're very accessible. So even though you've never, you may not have ever stayed there, there's a Trader Sam's, there's Ohana, there's the the Tambu Lounge. You can go and get a pretty good feel for that place and spend a lot of time there if you want to. So you don't have to be spending the night to enjoy those hotels. Yeah, we went to Trader then- Sam's. And what I didn't realize is when we went is that you had you had to like wait in line. You like you can't just go in and get a seat even though it's empty. Like they seat you. And so we went and it was it was like a we just walked right in because I assumed it was just like our Trader Sam's, and it was not. Like the waiter's like, oh, you just were here. Oh, oh okay, I guess <laughs> there's no one there. Uh, and there was a little bit of a, a, a vibe, there's a little a, bit of a pushback a vibe. vibe. And then I think you told me, Taryn. I think you're like, yeah, we weren't weren't supposed to do that. There was a sign that says, please wait to be seated. No, it was people had stamps on their hands. Everybody had stamps except for us. Oh. And so they had like gotten there and like there was a place. That, like It was just weird. I actually still don't exactly know what had happened, yeah. but I felt like we did something wrong. But I was on my honeymoon and I didn't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. So, but we, it was a cool spot. We were already in there. It was so, neat. I mean, what are you going to do? I just can't believe you found a time at Trader Sam's when there weren't people there. Yeah, there was not a whole lot. As far as I remember, I may have had blinders on because, you know, sometimes when you go to a restaurant and you see the open table (laughs) and you're like, that's all I see. I don't care who's here. I just my focused right here on getting to this spot. It could have been that. There could have been a thousand people waiting. I have no idea. (laughs) We just walked right in like we own the place. Yeah. Yeah, you probably jumped the line. Yeah, I think we did. But I didn't see the line. So that's what was confusing. Yeah, Aaron was with us, too. And so he's telling us, yeah, we kind of cut yeah, the line. Yeah, he says we cut the line. Oops. <laughs> Whatever. Didn't know. Well, when Disney was building Walt Disney World, the Seven Seas Lagoon was constructed in front of the Magic Kingdom and was meant to represent the seven major seas of the world and was intended to host resorts themed to iconic places such as Asia, Venice, Persia, and, of course, the Polynesian. The first three never materialized. <laughs> But the Polynesian opened with the Vacation king- Kingdom of the World in 1971, uh, though it wasn't fully completed until the following year in 1972. A 1971 publicity release stated, quote, the Polynesian Village Hotel offers our guests excellent accommodations in a peaceful village atmosphere. Nestled in luxuriant landscaping on the southern shores of the Seven Seas Lagoon, its motto is Aita Peatea. Oh, also, so just a warning, there's a lot of polynesian words that i have to try to pronounce tonight oh i'm so excited song titles and i'm not good at any of them so just brace yourselves well during the secret show which we're also recording tonight which jeremy is also going to be on tonight um you'll go through this segment again for us (laughs) oh good yeah uh the motto is aita peatea which means there will be another day tomorrow like today it's a very efficient language. That could be very. That it's could sort be of great depressing. Also, <laughs> sort like, of like I don't want that. Oh, good. There's going to be another day tomorrow, but it'll be just like today. Yeah, I've oh, seen that movie damn. starring Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you're at the Polynesian, you want that to happen. True. Yeah. It continued. Quote: Maui, the god of vacations, slows the sun down to make the days longer, so that our guests may enjoy the slower-paced, more casual atmosphere of this delightful. South Seas Resort. I didn't know God, Matt was the god of vacations, too. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> For the extra hour in the day. <laughs> the resort was meant to pay tribute to American interpretations of Polynesian culture, as well as being an extension of Adventureland. 
And I just scrolled too fast and I can't find my place. And the resort was planned as the Enchanted Tiki Room attraction at Disneyland was enjoying huge popularity. And tiki culture in general was increasingly popular across America. Now, many don't realize this, but the Polynesian Resort was built in a modular way by U.S. Steel in much the same way that the contemporary resort is famous for having been constructed. The individual rooms were built and furnished nearby and then placed onto the structure. The only difference between uh, being that the rooms of the 15-story contemporary resort contemporary resort were famously slid into place like the drawers of a bureau, hmm. whereas the rooms of the shorter three-story Polynesian were just stacked. Hmm. That's so cool. Interesting tidbit. Modern... Hmm technology and building down there for the vacation kingdom things aren't that modern down there anymore <laughs> it's all just blase the hotel features several <laughs> buildings meant to represent different islands of the polynesia named for samoa hawaii fiji tahiti tonga and others of course part of the authenticity at disney is music appropriate for the area or in this case the hotel the first area music loop was compiled by the famous guy, Jack Wagner, the voice of Disneyland and Walt Disney World, and likely began playing in 1972 when construction was finally finished. This initial loop played until 1995. Now, documentation on this loop is scarce at best, and the only way we know what music was playing is through the determined research of Disney music audiophiles listening to home videos and hearing the music in the background, and some people who just went to the Polynesian in those days and turned tape recorders on because they liked the music they were hearing. And wow. so now through that, wow. we've been able to source some of the tracks of that loop. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Shout out to all the brave soldiers out there. <laughs> brave soldiers. Thank you for your service. So through these efforts, we are able to identify at least six tracks that played at the Polynesian from 1972 to 1995. We start off with a track called Hawaiian Memories by the Living Strings from their album Hawaiian Memories, number one. lovely do you I feel like transported i do honestly <laughs> so that group the living strings they weren't really a group at all uh rather they were a studio orchestra made up of instrumentalists from various orchestras just put together to create a series of easy listening albums of various genres one of which was hawaiian memories but basically this is just a group of people that got together to make elevator music <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Is it like elevator music -y or is it, I mean. I think in total, you, that, like that might not be. Okay. Um, but in total, that's kind of what they were making. Next up is Blue Hawaii from the 1965 vinyl album release Solid Gold Guitar Goes Hawaiian by Al Kaola, number two. <laughs> Makes me want 
be on a beach. <laughs> why is it? Why do you say it in a threatening tone? It's not threatening. It's like relaxed. Like okay. Ah, makes me want to be on a beach. <laughs> I want to be on a beach somewhere. <laughs> so that was Al Kaola. Kaola was an American guitarist, composer, and arranger who spanned a variety of music genres, including jazz, country, rock, and pop. And he was born right here where I am right now in Jersey City, New Jersey. So he's one of our famous uh, sons of Jersey. There you we go. We call them. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> Next up is a song Jack Wagner used not only here at the Polynesian, but over at the Adventureland Veranda in the newly opened Magic Kingdom. In fact, for the Adventureland Veranda, Wagner had dubbed in a series of chimes to play over the original recording. Now, in real life recordings from the Polynesian, it's possible to hear those same chimes. So Wagner used the same edited recording for both the Adventureland Veranda. And then he just said, let's lo- use that same thing over at Polynesian. Uh, I have not that version. I have the original studio recording. I don't have his chimes. Mm. But here is Stars Over Maui by the 101 Strings Orchestra off their album In a Hawaiian Paradise Number 3. If you want to be on a beach <laughs> Sounds great. I love that track. That's on Spectro. Oh, nice. Because it's for, it's but it's on there because I have the Adventureland Veranda music. But don't you worry, all this music is going up soon. Oh yeah. yeah it's the benefit of a Spectro segment. It's true. Tune from Rangoon by Martin Denny on his album Quiet Village is our next track. Denny described his music as, quote, window dressing or a background, which is perfect if you're trying to construct a hotel background music loop. He built a collection of strange and exotic instruments with the help of several friends who worked in the airline industry at the time. His friends would travel the world and bring Denny back these instruments they found on their travels, and he would build musical arrangements around them. His music was a combination of ethnic styles, including South Pacific, those from the Orient, and Latin rhythms. Take a listen to Tune from Rangoon number four. Classic. That's a classic yeah. in the tiki world, man, for sure. It definitely oh, plays at our house during the summer. Yeah, it's so good. You're familiar with that one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my. I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to, like, pick it out, you know, the title. But I think Martin Denny had a sound. Mm. He had a very definable, you know, different from, like, Artie Lyman, where it was sort of, like, the same exotica sort of thing. But it's interesting how these Polynesian uh, interpretive musics and, and the tiki sort of musics, I don't evolved into like the exotica realm too. you know, we're like a little more sultry and it was sort of a little more um, sexy and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of less exotic and more that drippy dreamy sort of music, you know, like burlesque show kind of, hmm. you know, Betty page stuff. 
Yeah, well, some of some of the artists we're discussing tonight are really credited for having created that genre. Absolutely. So yeah, um, yeah, and Denny is one of the most. He's just a name that even before doing this uh, segment, I knew that name because he was. He's definitely one of the more famous in this realm. Yeah. The last track that we know of is called Pretty Maui Girl by the group Diamond Head Beachcombers off their album Music Inspired by the Motion Picture Diamond Head. Unfortunately, that is only released on vinyl and it hasn't arrived at my house yet. Oh. So I don't have that audio clip for you. I will uh, bring that to uh, maybe I'll bring it to a secret show or something sometime soon. But I mean, the, the one arrived. that you're going to be on right after this show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten that. I told you we were going to bully you. I haven't gotten you. a UPS notification during this chat. So. All right. Okay. Um, so we are going to move on from the original music set. And in 1995, the Polynesian introduced an updated longer music loop. This loop featured 18 tracks. Fully six of those tracks were from one album called Chance et Dances de Tahiti. Of course, that album title being in French makes sense given that many islands in Polynesia are considered French territories. Here's a sample of the songs from that album. Number five. a lot that was like my favorite one yeah it's fun that's the kind of music i like i don't like the exotica kind of stuff i find that really boring and not really interesting to listen to but i like that stuff Mm. the drum the you know the interesting percussion instruments all that i like it yeah you don't agree but that's (laughs) i like them both man i mean it just depends on what vibe you're going for well i don't have as much room in my heart for so many types of music (laughs) (laughs) yeah if it's not drum line, like drum core or whatever, or, um, you know, the theme from Titanic, it doesn't evolve. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all I've got. Yeah. Another album heavily featured was Roland Casimero's Waikiki's Greatest Hits. Here's Lovely Hula Hands and Hawaiian War Chant from that album, number six. See, this I don't like. What is that instrument? It's a guitar. I know that. That part.
Do you recognize that second song? No. Mm-mm. I mean, you said it's Hawaiian War Chant, but I don't. I, I'm not familiar enough with that with the song. I guess to like know that. I know what it's from. Take a listen to number seven. Well, we'll hear that again, and then I've juxtaposed that with a more familiar version. So you could, when you hear it, he plays with the melody a little bit, but that's the song. Mm-hmm. He just really reinterprets it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Roland Casimero was one half of a group called the Brothers Casimero, and they helped define contemporary Hawaiian music. In 2010, the Polynesian once again received a fresh set of audio. This loop is notable for drawing from a wide variety of Polynesian artists and clocks in at just under four hours in length. So to hear the whole thing, you'd have to sit around the Polynesian for a while. But for many people, that's not a problem. This loop samples samples several numbers by a group called the Sunday Manoa. Sunday Manoa was founded by Hawaiian-born guitarist Peter Moon and two members of the Pahanui Brothers. After other members of the group left, Moon recruited our friends from earlier, the brothers Casimero, Roland, and Robert. In 1971, they released their first album titled Guava Jam, Guava Jam became seen as the spark of the Hawaiian cultural renaissance, and two tracks from Guava Jam made their way to the Polynesian area music in 2010. One is <clears throat> Ka Ililiao Koe Keikoa. Nice! <laughs> good job! I well, I don't know if it's a good job, but it, that could be completely not how it's really said. But As far as we know, it sounds great. And the other is the much easier to pronounce self-title, Guava Jam. Number <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, Bev Mike in the chat says that's the slack key guitar. Okay. Very Hawaiian. I've never heard of that. Slack key, yeah. Nice, huh? Yeah, I like it. The Kahawanu Lake Trio gives us five tracks for the loop. Kahawanu Lake was the leader of the trio named after himself. He started playing in the 1950s with a swing jazz style of Hawaiian music. Hmm. He was a ukulele master and following releasing six albums, he was one of the founders of the Hawaiian Music Hall of Fame. Let's take a listen to some of his music at the Polynesian number nine. Oh, yeah. 
dreaming of her, Papa Holy Love Girl. I really like those ones. <laughs> the Halley girl. I mean, I feel like that's not a good, <laughs> I don't know. Isn't like a, not a nice term for that, non-native. Yeah, is that like a yeah. bad name for white people? Yeah, which is funny because it's like, here's a song about falling in love with, with one who's doing the hula, which I feel like nowadays, <laughs> I don't know. But it's, I like hearing songs like this, especially in, in other languages that, that we're not really used to, because it sort of reminds you how much more rich like the human language can be you know what i mean because on first first blush like i kind of just sounds made i don't really understand the sound that they're saying (laughs) but if you you listen and it's you you actively try to like pick out you know vowel sounds and and the actual like maybe this is the word maybe this is the word because i don't know because the why the hawaiian language has a lot of like accent marks and it's it's tough to -hmm. pronounce so yeah i don't know it sort of like reminds you that that were a lot bigger than just English, which I know sounds stupid. It's like the most basic take ever, but it, I don't know. It's, it's refreshing. It's nice. I like it. This just in from Petros. There's more languages. Than just English. <laughs> but you know what I mean? We're not exposed to it. And if we are, right. we don't know if we're saying it the right way or not. I have a weird thing. Like you, you heard what he was saying and you know what he said, like you picked mm-hmm. up on it. I don't hear lyrics almost ever. I have to hear a song hundreds of times before I start to pick up on the words. To me, the vocals in a song, even if it's in English, it's just another instrument of the band to me or the orchestra. Interesting. I am totally I don't with hear you. words. I, okay. don't, I don't either. Sam says the same thing. I He does? I, yeah. Oh, God. He, he never knows the lyrics to any songs. It's not like his primary focus. Like if he's listening to the song, he's listening to the instruments. He's listening yeah. to the different lines that are being played the vocals are he doesn't care frankly yeah Yeah, jason will pick up on i mean lyrics in rap songs and i'm like how do you hear words i'm in the streets i know (laughs) i know i know what i know what's going on well it's it's funny because i'll i'll like the just the worst like dog food sounding you know band just like screaming Mm -hmm. metal or whatever but it has to have a certain tone so it's sort of like what you guys are saying it's sort of like it, at, in that moment, if you can't understand the words, you know, like some bands are just, they make up, you know, bands and they just grumble and they literally will write in the lyrics. I don't know. I just made up sound. <laughs> that has to be right. That has to sound right. Overall has to have the right tone, the right inflection, the right emphasis or whatever, even if it's just nonsense. Uh, so sometimes it's like, oh, the band sounds tight. This sounds great. But like the singer's voice is awful and I can't, I can't listen to it. So it's it's sort of like in between, but I will yeah try to like pick out what the person's saying too, because for me it's like well music is just it's good, but it, you sort of it's like okay you know there's the chords or something I don't know I, I guess I because I don't understand music so I the only thing I understand barely is how to listen to people right that's where that's what you're how you form your connection to it yeah I wonder what mine is because I don't know music and I don't listen to people so mine is just cleaning your brain like just sound i just hear sound (laughs) sound mush (laughs) you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world (laughs) (laughs) it's a long way to go for a joke but i did it go ahead jeremy please far for that one (laughs) i really did literally literally and figuratively finally dennis pavow makes up 
another five tracks from the music loop. Pavau is another 1970s Hawaiian musician who is credited for sparking the Hawaiian music renaissance, especially Hawaiian falsetto singing. He, along with his cousin, started the Hawaiian falsetto group Hui Ohana. Pavau sadly died at the young age of 50 from a brain aneurysm. Oh, but let's take a listen come to on. his. <laughs> it's like my, my top 10 list of things that are going to happen to me. Thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> it didn't. Yeah, but you know what? You, I think it happens though. fast. <sighs> I feel like that's even worse for yeah. him. Like you're just one minute you're there, one minute you're gone. It's great. Is it great? Or is it like Ant-Man, like watching Ant-Man where like, in your mind, it takes four years, but in a real time, it only takes a certain, you know, it takes like two hours. I don't know. I've never seen Ant-Man. No. But let's take a listen to his contribution to the Polynesian atmosphere, number 10. Did you guys know that, that that there's more languages I than English? That. Did you guys know that? <laughs> this just in. That was really good music. What do they say? Only the good die young. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you sure. just you got nothing to worry about. Yeah. Early on at the. <laughs> <laughs> Early on at the Polynesian, elaborate outdoor luau's were held on an outdoor stage on the beach. But in that first year of operation, Florida's often unpredictable weather caused a number of cancellations, leading to Disney constructing the sheltered Luau Cove. In 1971, Cowie, I think that's how you say her name, Cowie Brandt, more commonly known as Auntie Cowie, moved from Hawaii to California to perform in the Polynesian show at Disneyland for an eight-month stint. After that, she and her husband Pono moved to Florida to open the new Polynesian Review at the brand new Polynesian Village Resort. Auntie Cowie and Pono had heard the Walt Disney World was looking for a company to produce a Polynesian-themed show for their new hotel, and Auntie Cowie was excited at the prospect. She wanted to create a show that was both exciting and authentic. They formed a company of 28 dancers and musicians to perform the new show. These performers would arrive dramatically each night for the show on a raft from one of the islands in the Seven Seas Lagoon that would just pull up onto the beach and they'd put on a luau. That's crazy. The show was described as a love letter to the artistry and story of Polynesia, performed in authentic handmade costumes by dancers who understood and respected the history and the stories they were conveying. The Polynesian Review featured authentic performers accompanied by an all-you-can-eat Polynesian buffet that cost guests just $10 wow. to eat 
<laughs> oh my god! Wow! Come to the show. Ten bucks. That's crazy. After many years, the Polynesian Review was closed in 2003 to make way for the Spirit of Aloha Dinner Show. Along with many changes, the first half of the show, first half of the show, was made more kid-friendly, working in music from the popular Disney movie Lilo and Stitch. Why? Why do we need and to make feature- everything kid-friendly? Can't the adults have something to themselves? Can we have nothing? Also, <laughs> why is why can't kids enjoy your luau? I know exactly. It's it kid friendly, yeah. meaning IP. That's all. And exactly. honestly, why Lilo and Stitch? Yeah. Thanks, Bob oh. Iger. Let's not forget this is Bob Iger territory. No, uh, well, this is Eisner was still the CEO at this time. Two thousand three. Yeah, get off your high horse. I thought Iger was like CEO for like fifteen years. Doesn't that math add up? Yeah, no? two thousand five. Two thousand five. Okay, all right. Thanks, Eisner. <laughs> Well, but Iger was at the company, and in, I think was he was in charge yeah. of parks and resorts at the time. Thanks, so. Bob Iger. You just want to hate Bob Iger for uh, some just, reason. I don't really care. <laughs> uh, so that featured the, the – it, it's really hard to watch. Uh, the show was, like, all, like, hokey and weird and, like, it's in street clothes, and they're all like, ah, <laughs> it's, it's like anything that they do now, you know, just mm. really unbelievable and saccharine. But for the second act of the show – it looked back to its more authentic roots. Off came the clothes, out came the fire sticks, and the second half of the show much more closely resembled an authentic Polynesian luau. Let's take a listen to some of that number 11. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for, our traditional Polynesian dancers! We begin with the Otea from the beautiful Avila Tahiti, Yana! <laughs> Yeah, so if you think that sounded if you think that sounded good, you ought to see the visuals. Auntie Cowie, who originated the evening Polynesian entertainment, remained at the Polynesian Resort for many years following. She could often be found in the lobby making and handing out lays for guests or teaching youngsters the art of the hula. Her full name, Kai Heilani, which means thundering voice of heaven, was given to her as when she was born in Hawaii in 1932, it was during a thunderstorm. She famously turned down Disney's offer to create Polynesian Entertainment at Disneyland three times, fearing that if she ever left Hawaii, she would never return. She was right. After <laughs> she did, she lived. Uh, sorry, she would never live there again. Ah, okay. um, she did return, um, but she never lived in Hawaii again, though she did visit. In fact, in 2007, Cowie returned to Hawaii to receive the prestigious Duke's Coco Koha. <laughs> Kokahiko Award presented by Duke's Waikiki Restaurant to an individual who exemplifies the finest traditions of Hawaii. She said in an interview around the time, quote, guests ask us if we miss our islands, if we ever get homesick for our flowers, our waterfalls, mountains and rolling waves. I tell them that we bring the islands with us in our songs, in our dances, and especially in our spirit of aloha, the gift of the islands to all who enjoy life. 
Cowie passed away in 2020 at the age of 88. Jeez. However, sadly, Jason, as I am writing the SpectroTime segment, we learned about the sad epilogue of the Polynesian Review and its successor, The Spirit of Aloha Dinner Show. Just last week, Disney announced in order to make way for a new Disney Vacation Club Tower, our beloved Luau Cove, which has hosted authentic Polynesian entertainment since 1973, will be demolished. And with it, the Spirit of Aloha Dinner Show, which hasn't been in operation since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, is officially closing for good. Wow. Bob Chapek and his cabal of unimaginative, sterile, vacuous, inept, banal, uninspired frauds who masquerade as imagineers, <laughs> Zach Ridley, I'm looking right at you, are going yeah. to demolish Auntie Cowie's legacy and build an ugly, uninspired, generic vacation club tower. A sad punctuation on a long legacy in history. Wow. So that's... Most of the music of the Polynesian <laughs> resort, but it would be remiss to talk about the music of the Polynesian and the history of the Polynesian without talking about another historic event that took place at the Polynesian. Ooh, what is it? So I'm going to read you. So first of all, I'm going to make a book recommendation. Okay. And that is to read by Jim Corcus. Hidden Treasures of Walt Disney World Hotel Resorts, or Resort Hotels, sorry, Histories, Mysteries, and Theming. So hmm. I'm going to read you an excerpt, excerpt from one of the chapters. Uh, in the February 9th, 2008, Orlando Sentinel newspaper, uh, May Pang, who was one of John Lennon's personal assistants, was recorded. At the end of 1974, after three years of court battles and acrimony, the final dissolution of the Beatles was about to happen. The meeting was scheduled for December 9th, 19th at New York's Plaza Hotel. Ironically, that was the first place the group stayed in America in 1964. George Harrison was in New York on his Dark Horse tour. Paul and Linda McCartney came in, and of course, John and I were already in the city. Only Ringo was missing, but he had signed the documents in England. Julian, uh, John's son, who was 11 years old, was with us for the Christmas holiday, and all was calm, all was bright. Gathered around a huge table were George, his lawyer and business manager, the McCartneys, with Paul, Paul's in-laws and lawyers, Ringo's lawyer and business manager, Neil Aspinall of Apple, with two sets of company lawyers, uh, blah, blah, blah. I was with John, and it was up to me to tell Harold that he decided not to attend the meeting, blah, blah, blah. Let me get, let's just keep moving. John, Julian, and I left New York the following day to spend Christmas in Florida. On December 29th, 1974, the voluminous documents were brought down to Florida by one of Apple's lawyers. This is Apple Records, not Apple Computer. <laughs> right, right. Take out your camera, he joked to me. He looked wistfully out. This is John Lennon speaking. He looked wistfully out the window. I could almost see him replaying the entire Beatles experience in his mind. He finally picked up his pen and in the unlikely backdrop of the Polynesian Village Hotel at Disney World, ended the greatest rock and roll band in history by simply scrawling John Lennon at the bottom of the page. John Lennon booked a room at the Polynesian Village Resort at Walt Disney World and gazed out the Seven Seas Lagoon before he signed the document that broke up and ended the Beatles. Although Disney is unable to confirm which room Lennon was in, it is apparent that it was a ground floor corner room in the Samoa Longhouse, formerly the Hawaii building, that looked out on the Seven Seas Lagoon with Cinderella Castle clearly visible in the distance. Both John and Julian Lennon were excellent swimmers and enjoyed the pool at the resort. The end of the ass. Beatles. What a weird ass way to end. I know, well, that's just where I cut out because, like, we get it. Uh, they love swimming, yeah. but that's it. The Beatles wow. ended at the Polynesian musical that's history. Crazy. That's wild. 
And they were good swimmers. And they were good swimmers. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, God. Just shut up. He's still going. <sighs> wow. I thought that that next sentence was, was germane. I'm like, oh, this is so stupid. <laughs> but fantastic book, by the way. Get it. Read it. Love it. Yeah. It's a page turner. It sounds like it. Wow. Yeah. Jim Corcus. Uh, so that is the that's the history, wow. the musical history of the Polynesian Village Resort right there. It's amazing. Good job. Join us as we Very good, Jeremy. Both excellent swimmers enjoyed the pool at the Polynesian. Great. I'm sure they did. Uh, you know, John Lennon, also an excellent number one-ist, enjoyed the bathroom at the Polynesian several times. You know what that is? What? That's a good story. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy, the detail and uh, experience that you put into your research is second to none. I love it. Very good stuff, man. Oh, God. The poly. Yeah, that's um, we we talked about on the last in-depth about all that. uh, The new tower. It looks it looks atrocious. It's atrocious. It looks like a. Uh, strip mall, three story. It's it's awful. Looks terrible. Here's where here's where it really gets me off the rails. And it was when I was reading about Auntie Cowie because what you realize is this was her legacy. She put her heart and soul into the Polynesian, and pardon me, built this. I thought you show. were crying. Are you gonna cry? Dan? I was. I was. <laughs> you big baby. Was, You're gonna indigestion. cry. I was like, damn. Built this show. With her husband, left her home, which she was afraid to leave, thinking she'd never move back, didn't move back, but built on the spirit that she so that she she believed in her culture. And she was like, you know what, what I can do is be here and pass this on to youngsters. And she did it until a ripe old age. This hotel had a heart and a soul and a person who left a legacy. And they're demolishing it. And that's what these they don't understand. Like they would rather build a vacation club tower than honor the legacy of this person who if these buildings are more than just hotels that look Hawaiian. Okay, there was there was a heart and a soul and a person who built a legacy there and they're demolishing it. She they waited until she died and now it's over. And it makes me really angry. Mm. And it's not like they can't put a vacation club literally anywhere else. Like they don't have to just demolish it and put it there. Well, and that's the thing; it doesn't well, look. It doesn't look like it belongs with the Polynesian at all. It looks like it sort you of should, belongs next door to the uh, Grand California. To be honest with you, you should start one of those things that Jason hates. The GoFundMe, uh, no, uh, the Change.org petition. Change.org. I'm sure there's petition. like a hundred of them already. Uh, a group out right text. Now. <laughs> that's what Ben <laughs> those hates. Those are the things that uh, I hate. Yeah. Uh, but this is the thing. Why? Why are we demolishing this? Walt said we have the we have more than enough room to accommodate all the dreams, the blessing of size. And instead of taking advantage of that, they're going to knock down something that has some some amount of authenticity, put people put these performers, these wonderful performers out of a job and build another one of their crappy towers. I'm on life support with this company. I don't have much more patience. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. You know, the hotel will make them money. The performances didn't make them as much money as the hotel did. And that's, you know, and that's ultimately what these people are going to care about. I mean, look at everything. I mean, that's what all the CEOs are doing. I mean, look at what uh, everything Iger did just to make more money. Same thing Chapek's doing. Chapek's not doing anything different than Iger. Same thing. You can still Iger's doing the same thing as Iger did. But same you, thing. you can still be built somewhere else and keep the authenticity because it's, it's, 
The show doesn't need to make money. It was it's supposed to be something for the guests to enjoy. So like I agree. I agree, but on the other hand, it's well. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just no. I know. I know. And I yeah. And I understand. But I'm I'm saying like, where else are they going to put this thing? Well, we can get rid of this thing that doesn't make us money. Put this thing here that makes us money. But they. But it does make. How? I'm sorry. You have a dinner show that's run for 40 years. You're telling me 80 bucks a head. That thing with some cheap buffet. That's not making money. (laughs) It's making money. It's making money, but not as much as a hotel. Not as much as a hotel, but Bev is right. Like there is so much land around I agree. there. Like they, for sure, they don't have to replace anything. Look, I'm not saying that they're yeah. right. I'm just saying I sort of I understand why I understand what they're doing. What I don't understand is wh- why is there not room for 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 both? And it's why is it DVC club members only? Don't they have enough? When the other resorts like, do they need their own specific tower? Now I hate everybody in the DVC club. <laughs> Everybody, I don't care. <laughs> well, th- that's the thing is, it's a false choice. It's like, well, we have to ha- we have to have something that makes money, so it's either this or that. It's like, well, how about you build a DVC tower and not knock down the show we all love? Right. Can you do you both? You probably can money. do both. Right, you can't, and, be, and it it even makes it it makes it a worse choice. And I know I was I wasn't really defending the choice, but I'm saying I I, I get it from like a business standpoint. But it it sort of makes it it makes the people who aren't in the DVC now dislike people in the dvc because like oh you guys are the reason why we're losing this thing we're not in the dvc club because we can't we can't afford it or we choose not to or it's a scam or whatever but now that's invading the thing that we do like that we go to frequently that doesn't need a membership it doesn't need points doesn't need to do anything so now we we have no choice devalues the hotel a little bit because now there was this cool like there's this cool hotel and there was this cool thing that you could do at this cool hotel so okay yeah let's play let's pay a little more and stay there but now this cool thing that you could do there isn't there anymore but you're still paying through the nose yeah i mean you're paying the performers you're you know getting all there's 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 cost involved like with any show sure and maybe you know look maybe the last five years they were planning to get rid of it who knows maybe this is an iger i'm gonna pin this on iger it sounds like an iger move (sighs) no (laughs) <laughs> no, Chapek's been involved reeks. long enough that he has he's endured the the brunt of yeah. enough of his choices to where if they were somebody else's he'd be like not uh-huh. me. Chapek yeah. is doing some bad things. Let's just be honest. Like Yeah, maybe, I don't know, name 12. They're you not, can't. I don't know, Jason is this big he's a Chapologist. Like, he's not. <laughs> yeah, I, I really yeah. don't even think he is. Look, he's us just, bald guys got to stick together. Right. Oh, That's what happens. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I really, really, really do appreciate it. If you're looking for more content, uh, Bantha Milk has just released an episode. They went through the uh, Peacemaker show, which is a DC comic show on uh, uh, HBO. Oh. And they decided to do something a little bit different. Uh, so you can check that out. Supreme Resort, I'm sure, has a show out. Um, I don't know. Eric, I know you guys did some stuff, but I no one tells me anything. So I, I don't know anything what's going on on my own shows. But coming up right after this. The Secret Show with Jeremy is, I think, sufficiently bullied enough that he's going to stay on. He said he wasn't going to, but um, he better. I got a spin class in the morning. You can spin, look, this I'm show not. will send you into spinning. Okay? It's fine. Just stay on. It'll be fine. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I appreciate the support. And until next time, we'll see you later. <laughs>